Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. says in Mark chapter 9. Now, I love Mark. It's my favorite gospel for two reasons. It talks about the proclamation of Christ and the power of Christ. The proclamation of Christ and the power of Christ. And look what Mark, the story, the narrative that Mark tells about the power of Christ. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. So he was mute. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirits. But they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, think about how powerful that is. When the evil spirit saw Jesus, It threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. And I love what Jesus asks. He gets so intimate. Remember, fully God, fully man. He asks a very honest question. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. So there was a start point that something, took, that something took place. The spirit throws, often throws him into the fire or into water trying to what? Kill him. So in other words, this demonic presence had shut his mouth so that he couldn't scream out for help and he was causing him to self-harm. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. I think if we're very honest, we look around at our culture and we see what loved ones are going through or what's happening in our world. And we literally can see at times a start point and say, what happened? What set this off? And we come to church faithfully, and and we show up, and, and we believe in the power of God for everybody else. 
but because maybe we haven't seen it fully happen. As much faith as we have, we still wrestle with doubts. Can I get an amen for that? Have mercy on us and help us if you can. And I love what the Father says, help us. Help us. Because we are suffering for him and with him. And until you're a parent, you'll never get that. What do you mean if I can? And I, and I, and I just, I always envision Jesus just getting a smirk. What, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? Come on, it's me. He's too humble to do that. Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. We're not talking like uh, Tony Robbins stuff. We're talking the real juice. The one in who we have faith in. And the father instantly cried out. And if you've been in this father's shoes right now, I want you to say this with me. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Anyone ever wrestle with this? Let's say this on the count of three together. One, two, three. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I love that I love that declaration. You know how many times I've prayed over people and by God's grace, I've seen healing. I've cast out demons, like exorcism type stuff. But there are things in my own life that I still doubt. I mean, things that you've seen on TV, no joke. By God's grace, I've had the opportunity to be in those situations. And still there are moments where I cry out to God and say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit, just spoke to him. Get out. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. He didn't jump up and down. He didn't do a funny dance. He didn't do a chant. He just spoke to evil. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. And afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out this evil spirit? Why? Jesus replied, and I'm going back to some of the original translations. So I'm using the NLT, but, but I really think it's imperative that we bring out some of the original translation. If you go back and you begin to read some of the original translations, this is what it says. Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only, only, let me say that one more time, only through prayer and fasting. Do you notice how I started this sermon through the word of God, not through experience, not through emotion? 
but through the context of how we as followers of Jesus need to understand not only who Jesus is, but who his disciples are in light of him. And so when you look at this, there's a big question. Here's the big question, and I'm going to throw it up here. And you're allowed to use your phones to take pictures if you want. Take pictures, whatever, because I know some of you do. Why could we not help this boy in this situation? The big statement, Christ's power in them is called into question. The big question, the big statement is, it didn't work. And the big statement is that the power that lives in them was called into question. Has anyone ever felt that? You can give me an amen. How does, so here's my big question for us as a church. How does prayer and fasting play a role in the life of a disciple and the church? This is where we as pastors go so stinking wrong. Oof, we're bad. We start giving you 12 points of how to have like Holy Spirit power. I'm going to give you one declaration. Before Mark chapter 9, where was Jesus? That's the answer. Before Mark chapter 9 was the transfiguration of Christ, where he and three of his disciples went up to the mountain to be in the presence of God. And his disciples were left in the village to just be present. And yet, what they had tried to do was pretend that they were acting like Jesus without doing the things that Jesus did on a regular basis. You see, what Jesus was doing up on the mountain, he was seeking the face of God. He was in prayer, listening to the Father's voice. He had brought three of his other disciples and said, come, be with me, mimic me, pray with me, encounter with me. You see, prayer is not a transaction. Did someone say this last week? Prayer is an interaction. Prayer is an interaction with the living God where we are posturing ourselves to be in a place that we can hear the Father Not that we just talk, 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 but that we can hear the Father, and the Father empowers us through allowing ourselves to be embodied by the Holy Spirit in those secret, quiet places. Whenever I'm in those secret, quiet places, God does more in me and through me than me being like one of the disciples just trying to run around and pick and choose and try to, use, try to put my authority on things that I'm not supposed to. Have you ever had that holy nudge that one time when you knew you were supposed to pray for someone and you're like, you're haunting me, man or woman. You're haunting me. I have to pray. And you just chew on it, and you're so overwhelmed that you can't even pray the first time. You're like, I got to really chew on this because they're going to think I'm wacky. And it's okay to be wacky because Jesus was really, really wacky. 
His disciples were really, really wacky. We just do a good job of covering up our wackiness. But it was in that moment that you're like, I know this sounds weird, but I need to pray. And you prayed over that person. It's like, Holy Spirit showed up like never before. You see, prayer is not a transaction. It's an interaction. When we go to deep places of intimacy so that we can know the Father and we can know the Son and we can be daily filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, we are born again. Yes, are we are filled on the spot. But at the same time, there's this secondary refilling that the Holy Spirit does when we meet with Jesus. And we have lost the art of prayer, of intimacy, of being with the Father. When we pray and fast, all, all you need to know, what's Rob, what is Rob's agenda? What's the board's agenda? What's the staff's agenda? agenda to equip you so you would know how to position yourself in a posture of humility so that the Spirit of God can do a magnificent and miraculous work in your life. Because when he does a magnificent and miraculous work in your life, do you know what he does in other people? He does the same thing. Because you birth life into others. And it's one of those things that we forget. I, I love what one author said. He said, through prayer and fasting, Christ's followers meet the powers of darkness, enforcing the victory Christ accomplished when he met them in, the, in his work of intercession. Jesus went to war for us. And he taught his disciples how to go to war for the world. And if we are Christ followers, we are called to go to war for our families, for our friends, for our community, for our places of work. There's a deep ownership that, that we need to grab onto and, and hold onto and say, I am called to intercede for the people that God has put in my life. There's one thing I love and I hate. When strange women come up to me who've never known me before and say, I've been praying for you since you were a little boy. Those women freak me out. And a lot of them, I think they're really weird individuals. We talked about Joe Chinisi two weeks ago on a Wednesday night. How one guy said, hey, Joe, before you ever came to the plant, we were praying for you for a year. So I, didn't, I wasn't even friends with the dude. Who are you praying for? Who are you interceding for? What is this whole fast about? Watch this. I'm going to give you a couple things because I want to jump back into worship. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact 
likeness of God. Satan blinds, deafens the ears of this world to not be in a place to be receptive to the things of God. You see, this is what spiritual warfare is. Another author that I love wrote this. Many people about spiritual warfare, many people in your neighborhood and around the world, however, are not in positions to hear the gospel. No matter how brilliantly it is presented to them because the God of this age has blinded their minds. You can jump up and down. You can hoot and holler. You can sing. We could think the better music we have, the more lights we have, the bigger the stadiums of people that are followers of Christ, that that's going to change the world. No, it's not. The only thing that's going to change this world that has changed me and has changed you is the power and the presence of Christ. That's it. That's it. And one day we're going to all go to heaven. I I really believe this is going to be true. One day we're going to all go to heaven. One day we're going to all go to heaven. And some stranger is going to walk up and be like, I was praying for you before you were born. I was praying for you when you were in school. I was your teacher. I was the teacher that you didn't know was a follower of Christ. But you wild child over there, I prayed you into the kingdom. Come on. And yet... I just want to jump up and down. i got to be really careful. And yet, our Western mentality says prayer does nothing. Read your Bible more. Become more morally straightened out. That's not how it works. Spiritual life comes through spiritual transformation. People of God. This is what you have to realize. This is what Scripture says. And let's look at the beauty of Scripture, okay? Because it's not about what Rob says. It's about what the Word of God says. It says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey. So what's a stronghold? This is what Paul is saying. There are strongholds in every one of us. Every one of us. I have a stronghold. The question is, am I letting God tear down my strongholds? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Do you have strongholds? Of course you do. You're human. Come on. We all got our stuff. At one point, we were this messed up. We come to Jesus, we're this messed up. That's a beautiful thing. That's a lot of redemption. That's a lot of redemption. A lot of redemption. But what are strongholds? Strongholds are rooted in human mindsets, decisions, or choices. They are lies, lies, and even afflictions of Satan to blind humanity from the ability to to recognize the gospel of Christ. One of my strongholds, I have ADD. It drives me, but it trips me up. You ever see when I read, I kind of jump to like four words ahead? That's my ADD. But it hasn't stopped me. I've allowed God to use it as a strength in my life. Strongholds can manifest in a person's emotional, relational, and even physical conditions. And when strongholds are not dealt with, they become demonic. They become demonic. 
Yes, I'm one of those pastors. And I'm proud of it. There are emotional, relational, physical handicaps that we could all have that the enemy wants to take advantage of us. And all prayer is, prayer is our vehicle that takes us from a place of unbelief, isolation, to a place of belief, relationship with the living God. Can you throw that slide up there, Tommy? Prayer takes us from a place of isolation, unbelief, into belief, a relationship with the living God. And yet... The worst thing that the church in the Western Hemisphere does in the spiritual gifting is prayer and fasting. People are like, woo, I'm going to fast. I'm going to start tingling. Something's going to happen. No, you don't. You hate it. You're supposed to hate the fast. I am dying for my Ben and Jerry's. I told you this last week. I got a pint of Ben and Jerry's half eaten the Saturday before the fast. And Sunday, the day after the fast, I'm eating my chunky monkey. Do you realize that? But when you position yourself and you say, whether it's 24 hours, whether it's 72 hours, no matter how long it is, I'm positioning myself because I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on the face of God to show up. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Do you know what, do you know what Daniel recognized? The moment after he looked back, he said, wow, God answered my prayer the moment I prayed. He showed up. But it took three weeks of positioning myself for the power of God to break the strongholds. Like, we cannot be so mechanical as followers of Jesus. Because we're not mechanical. We're relational. And the way that we need to interact or the way that we should interact with others is the manner in which how we are to interact with the living God. It's our responsibility. Spiritual warfare is our responsibility of both the individual and the church. For the church to see victory in the lives of others, it's the responsibility of the church to intercede on their behalf. A praying church is a useless church. I would even say, a, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, a non-praying church. Let me say that over. Whoa. ADD. Jump, 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 jump. Man, I just played Frogger in my head. A non-praying church. Non-praying. Don't use that for the podcast. A non-praying church is a useless church. I would even say a non-praying church is probably not a church. Because all you see throughout Scripture is that the people of God prayed. Prayer is our responsibility to see Jesus be victorious in the lives of those we love and the community we call home. Who do you love? When you love someone, you go to war for someone. When you love someone, you speak truth in love to someone. When you love someone, you don't put up with certain things. And the greatest thing you don't put up with is the works of the enemy in their life. 
I got up earlier this morning, and I was woken up just praying for someone. And yes, I knew I had a little more time on my alarm clock, but I'm like, I got to go to war because nothing's working. Counseling, great. But there are certain things, if you don't go to war through prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting, it ain't working because it's a demonic stronghold. If it's a human stronghold, if it's just kind of like a, a disposition, God uses counseling and prayer. But if there's a real demonic stronghold, there are certain things that it's only in prayer, through prayer, by prayer, that God is going to shatter that. And then you go deeper when through prayer, by prayer, in prayer, it's not working. You need to go to the toolbox called fasting. I want to invite the band to come up. How much time do we got? How much time do we got? What time is it? 9.53? Wow, that was quick. I don't preach that fast. It must be the Spirit of God. Plant family. Listen to me. For some reason, you have chosen that the plant church is your spiritual covering. The real word, but we don't like this word, is your spiritual authority, right? Ooh, don't you go there. Now you're getting crazy. Who cares? I'm already crazy. A little more crazy will only do everyone better. We're covering. We're, 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 you've in some ways, you've said, as we've trusted God to be the shelter of the wings that cover us, we're trusting you to cover us as well. We're trusting you to lead us, to guide us, to speak truth to us. I'm telling you this. God has called us into a season of prayer and fasting. And you are doing this to equip you for what God wants to see broken in your lives. Like this is the real deal. I charge you. I challenge you. If you haven't been fasting for whatever reason, and there are times that I've had literally people say, I just didn't fast because you told me to. Really, brat? Right? I didn't look at you when I said that. I just pointed <laughs> down there. Right? Seriously? Why are you so childish? Seriously, why are you so childish? Every time that I've ever wanted to see real movement in my life, I've gone to the people of my covering, my authority. my Len Sweets, my Bruce Terpstra. I've gone to my people. And they say, do this. I said, seriously, trust me. Trust me. I want to challenge you this week. Forget the last two weeks. Forget the last two weeks. Don't, if you haven't been fasting, it's okay. Grace, peace, mercy, shalom. But I want to challenge you this week. Whether it be food, whether it be device, whether it be a habitual habit, give it up and put it at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I am fasting for this and I am going to learn to pray like I've never prayed before. And it's not what you say. It's how you position yourself. You know what I've been doing every day during the fast? At least midweek, 
I just lay in the presence of God and say, God, speak. I read my word and I just lay there and say, God, you know my heart. You know my cries. You know the things that only you can heal and change. You only know it. Go to that deep, deep, deep place. Go. Prayer is not about how much you say. It's about the posture of who you are in the light of God. Move. Holy Spirit, right now, just move. Just move. Holy Spirit, just move. I want you to open your eyes. Because you can pray with your eyes open. Watch this. Ready? Holy Spirit, move. Just move. Holy Spirit, just move. Just move. Go to the deeper places. Someone who's by praying, my eyes open. Holy Spirit, move. Come on, move. I want to close my eyes. Give me a vision. Align what I just read this morning with what you're doing in my heart. Go deep. Deep calls to deep. Remember when you were little, and this is my last thing, and then I'll promise you to cry. Remember when you started learning to swim in the deep end? You said, I want to go deeper. And then you practice holding your breath. Can I touch the bottom? Go deep with Jesus. Prayer brings us into the deep places where we see the lame walk, the demons cast out. My greatest, freakiest prayer request is this. My prayer is, God, let me see someone raised from the dead before I die. That would be cool. That's a total selfish prayer. Why not? If they did it because they learned from him and I'm learning from Jesus, come on, Holy Spirit. Whatever you want. Let's worship. If you just need to come to the altar or you want to come to these chairs, come on up. Just kneel. Kneel. Let's just be the greatest moment of your day. Whatever you need to do, sit, stand, kneel, jump, I don't care. Just find space. Find space. If you need a declaration to walk forward, whatever it is, let's worship.
family. It is good to be here. It is good to be here. It is good to be here. So the word of the day, there's a word for the day. Anyone know what the word for the day is? Pull up. Pull up. Yo, Paul Lee, pull up. That was awesome. That was awesome. So I want you to just stand up for a moment. Again, stand up for a moment. Just because I get your attention doesn't always mean I have to sit down. Like, I'm like the, the teacher. Everyone sits down. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, this is your day. Okay, seriously. I want you to say, this is your day. This is your day. This is your day. Okay, good. You may be seated. So we are one week left in our fast. And if you know me and my sermon prep style, I'm always prepping in advance. I spent a lot of time with the Holy Spirit. I spent a lot of time of really trying to figure out where he's leading us. And every once in a while, and he hasn't done this in a while because just kind of been on track, on track, on track, on track. This past Wednesday night, we had a moment. Um, actually, just got testimony to the moment on Wednesday night. And during our prayer and fasting, our whole reason for doing this is to equip you, the church, to engage with the living God, to be able to experience the power of God in your life, to know the presence of God in your life, and to, and to live out the will of God, the plan of God in your life. And after Wednesday night, there was a moment. I had a friend come from Rotary, and I was just like, man, God's going to do something tonight. But for our church family that showed up, something happened. Why do we pray? Why do we fast? And we're going to actually, I changed everything up for this morning, and I'm going to just go through it, and then we're going to spend more time in worship. The reason we teach you to pray and fast is to equip you how to know Christ, how to engage with Jesus, and how to fully experience how God wants to use you throughout this world. And as your pastor, you've said to me, like, I want you to be my spiritual covering. I want our board to be our spiritual 
covering, and I'm going to use a word that people really don't like. I want you, plant leadership, to be our spiritual authority. And so one of the things that we've been doing for the last 12 years has been equipping you to pray and fast that you would be able to start your year off in a manner that you would be more engulfed with Jesus than anything else. I always find it interesting that during these fasting weeks, there's always that one week where attendance drops. So it's almost like, I'm not going if I'm not fasting. He ain't telling me what to do, suck a chump. He ain't doing that. And then all of a sudden, the next week, everyone's back, and I'm like, I get it now. They're being spiritual brats. They're being spiritual brats. And I actually had someone tell me one time that you told me to fast, and honestly, I wouldn't do it because you're not going to tell me what to do. But God's changed my heart, and I've learned your motives behind it. My motives behind prayer and fasting is that you would experience the fullness of life that Jesus has for you. It's not a control thing. So don't be a spiritual brat. Amen? Sermon's over. <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, come like fire. Come on. Come on. Come like fire. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can you guys in the back tell me not that for tell the people to stop talking? Because I can hear them all the way up front. So just tell them to whisper. Just to whisper. They can whisper. So I love the gospel of Mark for two reasons. One, it excites me. It's the one gospel. I love all of the gospels. I love Matthew because he was a doctor, so he's so detailed, right? I love each, I'm sorry, he was, a, he, was a, he was a tax collector, so he's so detailed. Luke was a doctor, he's also very detailed. John was just like an emotional wreck, so you get all the love stuff in John. But for Mark, if you really study who the author is, John Mark, he talks about the proclamation and the power of Jesus. Because it was when Jesus made a proclamation to Mark that the power of God showed up. And I want to look at a passage this morning that if you've been part of the plant for the last 13 years, it's a passage that I hold near and dear to my heart. Because I believe that in everything we do, prayer is one of the most powerful and is the most important aspect of our spiritual walk. Because when we pray, all we do, we are not going into a place of transaction, did someone say this last week? But you're positioning yourself for an interaction with the living God. And too often, I have heard people say, God doesn't show up, God doesn't show up, God doesn't show up, God doesn't show up. It wasn't in my timing that God answered my prayer. But I believe that in everything that's going on in the world, that the one thing that the church is doing the least and the worst is the one thing that he always asked 
his people to do. And that's pray. To seek the face of God. And I want to use this one passage this morning to motivate you. Because my only prayer this year as your spiritual leader is to say, God, this is my prayer. God, empower me to motivate your people to want to dive into your word, dive into your presence so that they would know you and the fullness that comes in having a relationship with Jesus. That's my only prayer. So Jesus, would you do that now? Would you use this passage spoken through me to motivate your people? In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 9, let's read this. It says in Mark chapter 9, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. But they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. I mean, think about this. This young man, call him a teenager, was so overwhelmed that he couldn't speak, that he couldn't hear. And just out of nowhere, at certain times, for for no reason at all, and think about the parents. They probably sat down when the child went to bed and said, okay, can we kind of connect the dots? Can we kind of connect the dots? When this started, when does he get thrown into convulsions? I mean, he couldn't hear his parents. He couldn't speak. He couldn't ask for help. But out of nowhere, at times, this child would go into a violent rage. And Jesus just gets to the heart of the matter. When did this start? I mean, think about all that's going on in our world right now. Think about mental illness. Yes, some people are born with a disposition of mental illness. But do you know when mental illness often 
most often rears its head between 18 and 28. And you have a lot of people that just say, so like, when did this start happening? Like, you were perfectly fine in high school. Seriously, is any high schooler perfectly fine? Let's look at all of our lives, right? Dude, I was like possessed in high school. Trust me, there are some Bible stories that told my narrative, and I won't tell you which ones. But think about the deliberateness of Jesus. Think about how Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. He replied, since he was a little boy. Was there a trauma? Did something happen? He wasn't born this way. And even if he was born that way, Jesus does a supernatural healing in all of our lives, no matter what Lady Gaga says. You're supposed to laugh over that. But watch this. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. When someone self-harms themselves, there's something deep going on in their lives. If you've ever self-harmed, if you've ever known anyone who has self-harmed, there is a deep, deep pain. It wasn't until about the last 10 years that all my scars went away. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible. If a person believes, the father instantly cried out. And if you feel this, if you've ever felt this, read this with me and say it really, really loud. Let the heavens know on the count of three. One, two, three. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Say it again. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. How many times have you shown up? Maybe this will be the moment. 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 And you just keep showing up. That, then maybe, just maybe, something's going to click. Remember last week, ask, seek, knock? There is a progression in interaction which leads to intimacy with the Father. And I can just picture the parents, and you'll never understand the pain until you're that parent. The kid finally goes to sleep. It's been a day of hell, being thrown in fire. That's a really bad day, being thrown in water to drown himself. They finally calm him down, and the parents are like, and they start pointing fingers at each other. When your child suffers, you suffer, and the truth is you point fingers at one another. You cast blame. You cast guilt. You cast shame. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers growing, 
Let's see what he's going to do. A little magic trick. He rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. He didn't do a funny, funny dance. He didn't have to sing a song. He didn't have to do some kind of like type of thing. He just spoke to the demonic. And I love what he says, and never enter him again. Do you understand the authority that Jesus had? He sealed that area of that young man's life that the demonic could never enter him again. That evil spirit had no permission. Then the spirit screamed to intimidate and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. Jesus killed him. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. And afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? We've done it before. You remember you sent us out? You remember you prepped us? You trained us? You equipped us? And you said, you two go together. You two, no way. We're going to partner you with different people. Right? Like seriously, like these were a ragtag group of people. What happened? Why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And this is what Jesus said. And I'm bringing it back to really the original translation. Let's go way, way back, hundreds of years. And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only. More Bible reading. Only. Acting more moral. Only. Giving more money. Only making sure you're leading something. No, 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 no. Only through prayer and fasting. Only through prayer and fasting. And when I look at this passage, there's a big question and a big statement. The big question is this. Why could we not help this boy in this situation? I met with him. We went to Starbucks. Took him out for pizza. Had him at our house. Like we did everything possible. And he became so overwhelming, we just had to close the door. And here's the big statement. In this moment, Christ's power is called into question. Do I get an amen? And in all of our lives, in all of our situations, Christ's power has been called into question. But when we look at Mark chapter 9 and we just take it, independently from the scripture, and this is the danger of taking passages 
individually independent from what happened before, we miss out on the depth of what Jesus had been teaching them. So the big question is, how does prayer, fasting, play a role in the life of a disciple and the church? Go to the beginning of Mark chapter 9. It's the narrative of the transfiguration. Jesus took three of his disciples and he taught his disciples how to pray. He mirrored how to pray. There were so many 38 different reasons, what I talked about last week, not all 38 different moments, 38 different times Jesus either taught on prayer, was praying, or went to pray with his disciples. And there's a correlation that as I really wrestle through this, because what we like to do is just say, well, just pray and fast more, pray and fast more, pray and fast more. No, that's a to-do. That's a transaction. Prayer and fasting is an interaction where you position yourself in a relationship with the living God so that the Spirit of God can do a deep, deep work in you to open your heart, open your ears, open the circumstance so you can step in and see the power of God show up. And what Jesus and the three other disciples were doing was they were seeking the face of God. And the disciples were just kind of wandering around, doing their things. And then out of the blue, they're like, hey, can you help me? Sure, we've done it before. Let's just do what we do. Miyagi-san. Doesn't work like that. We want it. I love the Karate Kid. We rewatched it because we're, oh, we're going through Cobra Kai. And like, you know, like, there's like, every guy just wants to be like, ah, heal me. No. Jesus and the disciples, the three disciples went to be with the Father. There was a deep intimacy that was taking place. You see, when we pray, we're positioning ourselves to be in the presence of God. And when we fast, we're saying, God, these are my things. You see, right now in my downstairs freezer, I have half a pint of Chunky Monkey waiting for me. Because the Saturday before I started the fast, and I shared this last week, I ate the first half of my chunky monkey. And I said, I'm going to miss you. And I put him in the freezer. And he's calling out to me, eat, eat. But I'm putting certain things aside to say, for this season, a three-week season, I'm positioning myself that I'm learning that the greatest vice in all of my life is the presence of Jesus. And it's one of those things that is so refreshing. And yes, for all of us who have put on 10 pounds between Halloween and Christmas, it also helps as well. But the reality is this. When we pray and we fast, we are positioning ourselves to be in the presence and the power 
of God. And so when Jesus and the three disciples stepped out of nowhere, and I will even make this declaration. If one of the three other disciples were asked to cast out the demons, I bet you this. Same thing was going to happen. Same thing was going to happen. Because when you are in the presence of God and God puts you in a situation, then the power of God has to show up. Proclamation and power. I'll never forget one time, and I've shared this in the past. I was on a fast, all by myself, prior plant. And it was just a, it was a horrific day. I'll say it was a hellish day. It was a nightmare of a day. And I had to go to a board meeting at my old church, and we had a board meeting, and those board meetings went for like ever. We're good at the plant. Two hours and we're out most of the time. But when I was there, I was in such a moment of presence with Jesus. I started getting this throbbing headache, and I looked across the table, and I saw my buddy going like this. And I don't get headaches. I don't get headaches. Very rarely will I get headaches. And I went to bed, and no joke, in the middle of the night, it was 2.30, I woke up Sue. I'm like, you got to take me to the hospital. Something's wrong. Like, like, I'm terrified. Did I mess myself up from fasting? He said, take a deep breath. You're just having anxiety. Calm down. Took a deep breath. Didn't really sleep. I woke up at 5, whatever it was, and I got up. And I was angry. I was ticked. I'm driving to the old church. God, why don't you show up? What a waste of a day. I said, that's it. I was driving my Impala. Drove my Impala to my buddy's work. And I showed up. I said, I don't know what's going on, but something's up. And I'm going to pray for you. I had no idea the scenario. He was going to the doctor either that day or the next day. Because they had to clean out his sinuses. And my buddy had such fear of the operation because his father had the same operation. And then when they went up to scope, and this is a horrible st story, they poked the brain. And he bled out. So he was filled with fear. I said, dude, I'm going to pray for you. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to pray. And I prayed. And I kid you not, by noon, I guess he went to the doctor right afterwards, Went to the doctor and said, you're fine. His Jewish doctor said, you're not only fine, but the majority of your scar tissue has gone. I got a call from his wife, and she was a good reformer. If you know anything about reformed theology, the power of God is not that really present. She's like, I don't know what you did to my husband, but thank you. I got him back. There's something that happens supernaturally when we pray and we fast. There's something supernatural that, that the world can't do nor fix. Through prayer and fasting, Christ's followers meet the powers of darkness and forcing the victory Christ accomplished when he met them in his work of intercession, of intimacy, of prayer. There are things that are going on in people's lives that no matter how much counseling, no matter how much medication, no matter how much loving them through their stuff, it doesn't fix it. And we, the church, have the presence 
to be able to do the things that the world could never accomplish. This is why the plant church was planted. So that the power of God would be displayed throughout Bergen and Passaic County. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians. This is what Paul says. He says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. You ever remember when you, before Jesus, you were just so blinded to the gospel? Okay, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. It's not working. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Yes, I love what one author says. He wrote this, many people in your neighborhood and around the world, however, are not in positions to hear the gospel, no matter how brilliantly it is presented to them, because the God of this age has blinded their minds. The Bible's so, like, not relevant. Really? Did you just read what I wrote? Not, I mean, seriously. Look what Paul wrote. Look how it aligned with what I just said. I mean, seriously, Paul just calls it out. There are people, there are circumstances, there are barriers, there are walls in people's lives that do not afford them the opportunity to receive the power of Jesus. Now watch this. Let me jump to another passage. Same, same books, 2 Corinthians. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. You know what Paul was talking about? And he uses a word called strongholds. Every one of us has a disposition. Amen? Every one of us. It's why we say oftentimes, everyone's welcome, but everyone must change. Are we open to how God wants to change our lives? I'm not going to tell you how you have to change. Let the Spirit of God. We as churches, we, we, we've kind of crafted how we want people to change. No, we want Jesus to change us. But strongholds, here are what strongholds are. Strongholds are rooted in human mindsets, decisions, or choices. They are lies and even afflictions of Satan to blind humanity from the ability to recognize the gospel of Christ. Strongholds can manifest in a person's emotional, relational, and even physical conditions. And so here's a true reality that we see all throughout Scripture. There is a war out for you. A war to kill you, destroy you, and to steal any hope or joy that you have ever experienced. And it's a war that you are empowered to not only win, but to participate so other people get to experience victory for them as well. Sometimes I wonder, I say, God, why have I gone through so much trauma? 
I actually had a, I have TMJ. Anyone have TMJ in here? If you know TMJ, it is a living nightmare. Like literally, it's a living nightmare. And when I went to my dentist, he said, you know what your TMJ comes from? He said two things. One, several big accidents you've had. I was hit by a car. That's a pretty big accident. Was in a water slide accident that was really, really painful and bad. Um, But I had other traumas in my life. He said, your body's manifesting itself up here. This is where you hold your anxiety. And I walked out of his office. I'm like, oh my gosh. In my self-protection, I've actually caused physical pain to my body. And each one of us has some form of stronghold, whether it's emotional, whether it's relational, or whether it's physical. Or maybe it's a trauma that that something has happened to you that you have never been able to move past because that trauma was so deep and so painful. And you're like, I've gone to counseling, I've gone to church, I've gone to groups, I've done this, I've even led stuff. And still, I am stuck. And you come to church and you say, Lord, help my unbelief. I keep showing up, but help my unbelief. Plant family, prayer is our vehicle that takes us from a place of unbelief, isolation, to a place of belief, relationship with the living God. Prayer takes us from a place of unbelief, which causes us to be in a place of isolation, to a place of belief, relationship with God. And we as a church, if you have ever experienced the power of Jesus in your life, if you've ever experienced the fullness of the work of the Holy Spirit, If you've ever had a moment when you look back on your life and you say, wow, God really has worked, then it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility to go to war for others. Not just for yourself, not just for your spouse, not just for your significant other, not just for your children. It's our responsibility to go to war for this world against the evil one. And we are in a spiritual world, and we are in a spiritual war. And if we don't engage in this, church, we are going to miss the very reason why God has called us for such a time as this. For the church to ever experience the victory that each one of us hopes to have or be a part of, it is only going to happen if we intercede on others' behalf. Prayer is our responsibility to see Jesus be victorious in the lives of those we love and the community we call home. We're not doing this because other churches are doing this. Prayer has been one of the main values of our church 
fasting is something that we've had in our toolbox for 12 years. And if you know my journey, and you know our journey, fasting has become part of our rhythms of our life. I'm not settling for this. I'm not saying you've, you've taken me all the way to the river, all the way to the, to the water's edges and say, I'm done. I want more. And I want victory for you and 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 you. That we would all live in the calling that God has for us. And it's not by doing more. It's by learning to be in a relationship with the living God. Where the presence of God is speaking. And the presence of God is leading. And the presence of God is empowering. I'm really praying about what's next with this church. I am like praying for what's next for this church. Because he's not done. What would happen if we took him seriously? What would happen if we really took this idea that we can, we can engage with the living God? What would happen if we really engaged in fasting and, war, and warfare and we saw lives really transformed? Have you seen the demonic flee? I have. We have. Have you seen the person who's sick healed? I have. We have. Have you seen the marriage that was on the verge of divorce and only in prayer and only by prayer and only through fasting and only by fasting that God healed the couple? I have. We have. Plant family. This is the season to lean in. This is the season that prayer and fasting will be the weapon that gives us victory to no matter what, to no matter what the world throws at us. COVID, if the church would have been praying and fasting from day one, I bet you COVID would have been eradicated. So what are you saying? I'm saying that. I'm saying that. If the whole world of Christians said, we're on our knees, we're fasting, we're praying until this thing's gone, I swear COVID would have been eradicated and Jesus would have been given glory. All this chaos in our country, seriously, we're just fighting one another. Christian against Christian, unvaxxed versus vaxxed. Seriously, grow up, grow up. Republican against, against Democrats? Seriously? I better be careful because something might not good come out of my mouth. I'm serious. And I'll get fired and that's okay. Because God's got me in the palm of his hand. It's time, church. I will not 
be satisfied in my life. Forget the church's life. I will not be satisfied until revival comes. I long, I long, I long that when a good friend of mine passes away or someone they love passes away and I get to be there when Jesus raises them from the dead. You're getting weird. Good, because Jesus was weird. And his disciples were even weirder. Plant family. I'm going to stop it right now. This is your season. Come close. This is your season. This is the biggest game and the biggest war you will ever, ever engage in. You want your children to follow Jesus? Then you follow Jesus. You want the things in your work to change? You change. You want to see the demonic or, or, or mental health dealt with properly? Get on your faces. So why do I talk to you like this? Because I love you. I love you. We've chosen to love one another. I love you. I love you too, Pastor Rob. Thank you. This makes me feel so, so good. That was the best moment in church. But I want to encourage you right now. This was a word from the Lord. I'm trying to keep me away from it as much as possible. I want to encourage you right now to have a moment with Jesus. If you've not been fasting, get over yourself. Did he what? Yes, get over yourself. Fast this week. Finish strong. Whether it's a Daniel fast, whether it's technology, whether it's ice cream, whatever it is, give it to Jesus this week. See what God wants to do. I want you to have a moment today. If you need to come forward, come forward, get on your face, and just pray. Repent. Cry out. Declare, help my unbelief! He can take your screaming. He can take your frustrations. He can take any word that you say at him. He's God. Come. Let's position ourselves for the greatest moment that history has ever seen. I love what one man said to this one woman. He said, for such a time as this, if he ain't going to use you, he's going to use someone else. Let's pray. Let's lay down our swords. Let's lay down our selfishness. And let's pray. Come. If you need the altar, if you need to sit, stand, let's lean in hard. And stop asking God, why is it not working? And Jesus is saying, because you're not listening to me. You're not spending time with me. You're not listening, hearing me. Practice tonight, today, to hear the voice of God. Let's worship.
It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.